You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. It's American. It's the new version of Mulan. It's American. We're taking a bunch of myths we don't understand. American. Our live adaptation is like all the movies that you've never seen. Together in one. Oh, yeah. And one's from Japan, too, for some reason. I'm not sure why. If you've never seen a Wuxia film, or if you've seen like one or two, like Crouching Tiger, you go, oh, it's just one of those. And it is in some ways, this new adaptation. It's definitely not a straight adaptation of Disney's animated Mulan. They're trying to make something more akin to the traditional Chinese heroes mythological film, of which there are literally thousands, including nine different versions of this folktale. One that came out last year. But... What they did was, these American creators, and yes, it is an American and white director and four writers who put this together, they were like, well, why don't we take some stuff from anime, too, and maybe some stuff from Korean films, and maybe stuff from different periods of Chinese mythology that have no combinations that fit together? And I was thinking about this as I'm watching Mulan and going, yeah, I don't really care that much, but I'm the white guy. I'm the guy watching this. Like, I should be more sensitive about the. And I've talked to three Chinese friends who are all like, yeah, I didn't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess it kind of depends on your viewpoint. Seems like the most upset people are white people with the weird pastiche of appropriation going on. But I am not the only person here who has an opinion because that would be dull. Oh, sorry. I guess I'm calling most critics on the internet dull. We're one of us. We like to talk this shit out. Yeah. And I've got joining me here, Davey. Hi, I'm also white. Nathan. Hey, guys. Welcome to the whitest review of Milan possible. And Jennifer. Also white, but here for it. If you guys are a subscriber at the Time Lord level or above, you can watch the video of this where you can see Jennifer is literally calling us from the movie Mulan. She is inside the film right now, apparently in one of the tents with all the weapons and stuff. It's called a yurt. Jennifer, since you're inside the movie, can you make it better? I God, I wish. <laughs> if only. If they had just called me sooner, there would have been more I could do. The whole I understand. Thing. So what would you have done? How long would you like this review to be? Do you have time for the whole dissertation? I've already written one. Let's just move on. I figured. (laughs) Directed by Nikki Caro, who is a tremendous director, no question. If you've ever seen Whale Rider, which was her debut, it was like one hell of a debut. She's had kind of a mixed history since then in terms of success, but I've liked all the films she's made. McFarland USA is another one that was really, really good. But again, she was kind of an odd choice considering they were going with Ang Lee when they originally started developing this like four years ago or something. And he's like, yeah, I'm finishing up with another film. Can you wait? And they're like, no. So... Here we go. It's also unclear why this film that they are like, okay, we got to listen 
to what people are saying that they don't want some super westernized version of Chinese culture the way to some extent, regardless of how beloved it is, the original animated Mulan, in fact, is. Yeah. But they're like, yes, we want to do a live action that's not just the live action exact version, but it's not like the Lion King. Like, let's almost shot for shot remake this just in CGI. Let's not do that. And I'm happy about those decisions. I'm happy about them saying, let's look at the history of Wuxia films and find a way to tell it a little bit more like the Chinese do, but who are you trying to make happy? Because there's already, like I said, nine, ten other live action versions of this from China. One of them just recently. It's like you're just playing in the middle and that way you don't make anybody happy, I guess, except for people who, who like me, kind of came down on the side of, I don't know, I thought it was fun. I know who they are making happy. The Oscar voters towards the end of the year when we have art design they're going to be so happy with this movie because this movie's gorgeous. I agree. The cinematographer, I thought as well, was somebody I was not personally familiar with before this, Mandy Walker, Australian cinematographer, but they've done some films. They've won some awards in Australia for Jane Got a Gun was a recent one I really liked quite a bit. And they did Australia, which the one thing I'll say about that film that's good is the cinematography. (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, not so much. I think this is a beautiful film to look at. I think if you haven't encountered yourself one of these Wuxia films this could be very exciting this could be brand new for you and you would be like wow this is a thing but I kept asking myself as I'm watching it how many times can you show someone do a scorpion kick before you're like is that the only move that you guys have the biggest like climactic moment in the movie is it's just a kick and it's a good kick but it's still just a kick. And comparing that to the few Wuxia films that I've seen, people walking on fucking treetops and doing all kinds of crazy shit. And that's awesome. And then there's a kick. And it would be cool if it was the first time we saw it in the movie, but it's like the ninth or 10th time they do that move where it's like, I'm going to flip over backwards and kick a thing at you. It's a great move, but it's been done. I do like the cast here. Gong Lee plays the shape-shifting witch who was added to the story. Basically, subbing in something for the bad guy's hawk in the animated version who by the way and i didn't know this till recently she she is generally thought of as the best actress in china and i did not know that she's a big deal she's their hugest number one a-list superstar well that makes sense considering the fact that she is more the focal point than the main villain per se which at that point i was just sort of like hey could we just get rid of the main villain and just have this witch be the main villain because there was really no need for him like he gets a great villain death i think that's probably not a spoiler to say that is it a spoiler to say that i mean it's you know i mean he's the villain in a disney film he's gonna lose yeah (laughs) (laughs) but beyond that beyond me feeling that the dialogue is stilted and some of the acting is piss poor My biggest problem with this adaptation is that Milan really doesn't go through a character arc, per se. Nobody does. She enters the movie incredibly gifted, like Neo at the end of The Matrix. And she leaves the movie incredibly gifted, like Neo at the end of The Matrix. And there's like a training montage, which yes, you had it in the animated film, but it really didn't make sense. And her posing as a man sort of felt superfluous to this entire adaptation yeah i'm not arguing with you at all (laughs) nobody's gonna argue with you jennifer you have swords (laughs) many many swords you are right but mostly we're afraid of you this is as it should be this pleases us (laughs) there are many things that can be said about this attempt of a recreation amongst many superior recreations of this 
particular storyline. But man, of all the things, the thing that jars me the most is the complete and total lack of character development of any character in this entire film. Nobody has an arc of any kind. She starts as a badass. She's required to hide her badassdom because for some reason in the storyline, like women can't have any kind of power whatsoever. And that builds the whole arc for the villain and the lead character. Nobody's allowed to grow. Women have to live under a basket, which is a very Western trope and not at all a Chinese trope. Like men and women in Chinese culture are both given equal right to be powerful and dynamic. And the whole chi thing is a thing that doesn't really fit here. And I see what you're trying to do. I see that you're pandering to Western audiences. These are not the problems that the Chinese people have. They have many problems. They have many very interesting arcs and battles and stories and very epic things that you could be telling. And this is the thing you chose. And I'm very sad and very disappointed in it. I came very desperately hoping that this movie was going to be great and was going to wow me and was going to give all of my Mongolian friends who are in the movie the chance to be badasses. You have Mongolian friends in the movie? I do. There are some amazing horseback archers that are super excited right now because Mongolia is trying to build its international clout as a cultural entity up right now. They're trying to get visibility and trying to get people to understand how beautiful their culture is and trying to get it out into the world. There's some amazing horseback archers who were the background actors and some of the most talented people I know in this film. And it's very exciting. But then you see the final product of the film and you're like, They had such a great chance and it's been ruined by the the atrocities that have been committed by this film and it makes me very sad. That's a really extreme thing to say. Atrocities? I wouldn't I I wouldn't go as far as to say atrocities. All right. Yeah. I'm not a subject. No, you are not. And I love you for it, Jennifer. I genuinely do. I found there's a lot to actually really enjoy about this film, but the more you look into the origins of all these things, the more you can. And and honestly, you have the right to be disturbed by the the path that it took in terms of this cultural mishmash ended up being. But I think just taking it on a pure surface level, I found it overall really enjoyable. I didn't have the same problems you guys had with the character arc. I rewatched the animated one right after. I'm like, I don't see the difference in terms of the character arcs. The only difference really being is that they get more of a chance to sing (laughs) in there and they have comic relief characters that are detailed but there's no real side characters in this one it's really just more focused on the main characters and the plot and i was okay with that it's a it's a different way of telling a traditional folktale story and i thought that was fine i think the biggest issue for me when comparing the animated film to the disney remake is the animated film is like a lean 90 minutes and has like eight awesome songs in it And this new one is just on the cusp of two hours long. It's the same problem that I have with the Beauty and the Beast remake. I feel the lack of content so much more because it's so much bigger in scope. And it betrays a lot of the emptiness that I really feel in that original story that can get by on, oh, there's nothing happening here. Wait, I'll make a man out of you is playing and I don't care anymore because that song (laughs) rules. If the songs were in here, I would probably like the movie more because it would distract me more. It works for that pace, and here it just it felt like it was trying to feel serious and feel like this is a grown-up, we're PG-13, rawr! But there's nothing to supplement the joyousness and the ridiculousness of the original that has been removed. I mean, the main thing they've substituted in is a magician. 
character. And that's really to be able to pad out the fighting sequences, which I thought, like I said, outside of a bit of repetitiveness of styles that they show, things, moves that the characters had. It's like, come on, what is this? It, like a 1985 arcade Street Fighter game? You got like two buttons? Yeah. No. It's <laughs> it needed a little more variety, but I thought it was so well shot and adding that magic. Like there's a sequence where she's using her, you know, the traditional thing you see in Chinese films where you can use your cloth to beat people up. I love that, by the way. It's one of my yeah, I like that a lot. Chinese movie things. They use that to good effect in here with her, where she's like grabbing people with her belt and like slamming them on the ground magically. I'm like, that's cool. And yes, Davey, I missed the songs, but I kept trying to remind myself I said I didn't want this just to be a remake of the animated film, and they're not doing that, and stop complaining about it because it's not. That's what yeah. I was saying to myself. Yeah. I also rewatched the 1998 animated film, which I don't have like a huge amount of love for. I'm not like as in love with 90s Disney as most people are. I'm awful for it, but I <laughs> just... Hey, you like what you like, and it's your opinion, and you go for it. I'm not the hugest fan of the original Milan. I acknowledge that a lot of things are well done in it but it, this movie made me appreciate the original Milan so much more because I'm gonna keep harking back at this point Milan is so incredibly gifted in the first three minutes of the movie that for the rest of the movie it's just like there's no tension it really takes the wind out of things there's no like can she accomplish this task you already know she's amazing and then by the time she ends the movie amazing you're just like okay I don't really feel like I learned anything more about this character. And I don't really feel like she grew that much. Like, if I were in that village, the second there's a war coming, I'd be like, oh, get that little girl who just did that crazy move on top of the building. She does that in the cartoon, too, though. Well, but in the cartoon, she's allowed to have an arc. She doesn't start as that strong, empowered character. She starts very unsure of her place in society and where she's supposed to go with her life and how she fits into her family. But she doesn't have that base of, I'm already a physical badass who has all these chi powers and I can do all these things and I'm just trying to hide my light to conform to, to everything. She grows into a badass character. She doesn't start as one. She starts conflicted. Yeah. But in this film, she starts with it. I would argue they do the same arc here. They just heighten her physical abilities when she's younger. And I think that's the only real difference. I mean, she still goes from, I mean, like, you can be a badass and then be a much bigger badass, which is what happens. It's not like she's the same level of badass. She doesn't grow or develop it. She just decides one day, because Donnie Yen believes in her, to stop hiding it. So she, yeah. the implication is she's already it. Oh, yeah, I would, I would climb the moon yeah. for Donnie Yen. Like, make no mistake. He would look at me and be like, no. She's, I mean, yeah. the, the battle that she has with the not my love interest guy. And also, sorry about my camera. My kitten is playing with the cord behind the computer. And I can't get to her because she's behind the ottoman. So she, we just got home from being away for 12 hours. She's very excited and wants to play with things. So sorry. We're watching a found footage review. Sorry about cam you. camera reception right now. <laughs> That's all right. I watched Host. I know what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> but like she has this ability and she just decides to hide it because that's what her dad tells her to do because her dad's browbeaten by her mom. So that's not an arc, really. It's a decision. She just decides to stop hiding it because the cat's out of the bag and Donnie Yen sees it and tells her to do the thing. And then she's a badass, but then she kind of hides it, but kind of doesn't. And then... She gets into a fight with the She-Witch and then just all of a sudden decides, all right, well, I'm over that now. Let's shed all the armor and do the thing. It's not enough for me. It's it's really not enough yeah. of an arc. It's not enough of a motivation for me. Either you feel the need to defend your people and you're going to be 
the guy and do the thing or you're not the guy and you have to grow into it. The thing that bothers me the most, it's not that they added the magical element or the chi element to it. Those are beautiful things and those are tropes that are very respected in the Chinese culture. I'm here for it. But the fact that they tried to place the Western women have to be the housewives in the kitchen and that's your place and that's it vibe to that and try to apply those two things that are very conflicting and make that jive for a story is just what kills it for me. I want to say as well, and this was really weird for me personally, because I've watched 50 or 60 Jet Li films in my life, many of them multiple times, and I had no fucking clue he was the emperor. I was like, at the end, I was reading someone else's review and it's like, and Jet Li, I'm like, Jet Li wasn't in that movie. What the fuck? Yes, he was. He played the the emperor. emperor. Yeah. What the fuck happened to him? I was like, I looked, I'm looking right at him. I got a huge TV. I'm not like on my phone. I'm watching the fucking movie. And I'm like, I, yeah, never would have been able Admittedly, to Admittedly, the last time I noticed Holy him in anything shit. was the Expendables. He's injured. He blew out his knee doing something. I can't remember what Ooh. it was. He's in his 50s. Well, the dialogue is so stilted. It is. The writing of the dialogue is just so bad. It reminded me a lot of the Star Wars prequels and the way how people would deliver lines throughout. I go into every movie wanting to like it. I wanted to really like this even more than the 98 film, which, you know, I'm not so hot on. And they did all these scenes where they try and recreate things from the 98 film, but kind of like give up halfway through like the matchmaker scene, which I found to be god awful. And they pull out that weird CGI spider and try and recreate it. I just was like, what are you guys doing? Just commit to your own thing. (laughs) This thing isn't even Mulan's fault. And yet she's still being blamed for it. She tried really hard and she did a good job. And now this is her fault. (laughs) Come on. This isn't even the same story. Also a thing in the animated film. Oh yeah. No, totally. And I know they tried to move away from the magic. At least that was their conceit going into it, which they really didn't. But yeah. when you have a flying phoenix... At this point, I think most of America had gone, okay, Eddie Murphy, we're done, right? You had your moment to shine and you were wonderful, but it's over. And that was like his last thing for a long time, you know, was like, ah, oh, he's great. Track. He's one of the best Disney sidekicks ever yeah. in Mulan, in my opinion. Yeah. He's terrific. But I didn't miss him at all here because it would have been fucking weird to Agreed. have him in this movie. Like to have a talking comic sidekick. It would have been weird, but that would have been interesting weird. And interesting weird <laughs> is better than boring normal. Well, you know what they say, the old Chinese curse. May you live in an interesting movie. Let's go to final thoughts. Uh, <laughs> let's get this started with Davey. Go ahead. The big thing for me is that if there wasn't a 1998 film and someone said, hey, I want to tell this classic tale and bring it to western audiences what do you think of my script anyone worth their salt would have gone make it better if this is the first time you're telling this story why are you doing it like this at least throw some spice and something interesting in there or be super like realistic and honest to the legend you gotta pick one or the other either like truly westernize it and give us the eddie murphy bullshit or don't this is just another in the long line of disney remakes that just they're not terrible movies for the most part but something about it makes me really fucking angry i don't like how much money is put into these i don't like how much of an event these are and i don't like that they're asking you to pay 30 dollars on top of a disney plus subscription for it don't see this It's not good. It's not terrible, but, like, don't. Five out of ten scorpion kicks. Jennifer. I wanted to like this movie a lot. I mean, everybody knows archery's my bag. I love archery. And any movie that can correctly portray historical archery makes me really happy. And I was happy that they got the bows right. But the whole back and forth of the 
draw styles annoyed me. That's my two cents about archery. Nobody cares, but I do. I'm mad about it. (laughs) I really wanted this movie to have the dynamic range and scope that movies of that style have with the you know, the over-the-top martial arts and the beautiful storytelling and the cinematography and the character development that I expect from movies from that part of the world. I was really hoping that Disney was going to sink its claws into telling a different style of story. I was here for that. I really wanted that to happen because I love Asiatic storytelling. I mean, there are so many dynamic storytelling tropes and ideas and... I want more of that here. I want more people to love that here. And I feel like this movie didn't do that. Because we have a crouching tiger hidden dragon and a hero and a house of the flying daggers and so many other films that 15 or 20 years ago did that but did it well with half the budget without having those actors being well known in America at the time. They were more effective at storytelling Pardon the camera again. (laughs) The kitten has opinions. She has opinions. It's just disappointing because I know what it could have been, given the budget and the talent that they had at their disposal. They got so many amazing actors. They could have done something with them. They could have really developed a great story, and they just didn't. They whitewashed the whole thing with subpar storytelling, and that just is inexcusable to me. It's one thing to have a low budget and have to tell a story under those constraints. You didn't have constraints. You had budget, you had time, you had actors, you had cinematography, you had everything. And you've wasted it. And it it just, it makes me really sad. I'm going to give it four out of ten switches between Asiatic and Mediterranean draw style unnecessarily in one character in the course of a movie. And now, last of all, Master Control Program himself, Nathan, what do you got? (laughs) Jen, I am so in agreement with you. You clearly have, like, stronger (laughs) opinions on archery and all of that. But just on a storytelling standard, I couldn't buy the growth of Milan. And she is our title character, and I wanted to be more invested in her. And once I stopped being invested in her, I stopped being invested in the movie. Uh Aww. (laughs) <laughs> I hear you, right? I don't want to interrupt, but Kitty is the greatest movie critic of all time. Nathan, <laughs> shut the fuck up. I'm sorry, guys. Guys, you have to be a subscriber and see this cat. You will not believe this cat. Uh, that's the best opinions. advertisement for subscription we've ever created. Right? Oh, it's a kitty. Okay, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Tron. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Flynn, Flynn lives. The cinematography in this, in the costume design and the set design are the big highlights to me there's a lot of great fight choreography in here but it's all sort of muddy because there's no character in the fights that's what really bothered me it was the lack of character development the dialogue on the whole i gotta give this four out of ten cgi spiders i have seen just as many glowing reviews of this film online as i've seen hate-filled vitriol (laughs) so (laughs) it obviously is provoking some strong reactions and i kind of loved the shit out of this sorry I sat there getting weepy towards the end. I was like, God damn, this is so unquestionably the best of the live action adaptations they've had. Mm. Like, like head head and tails above everything else. Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon is fucking terrible. Pete's Dragon is awesome and sad and beautiful. Jungle Book. 
Jungle Book's pretty good, but it, I still like this better. I thought this felt, it's the only one of them that feels like an actual movie and not just a collection of CG. I thought that this was a great entry-level Wuxia film. It's very Disney. There's no question that it's very Disney. And no, it is not a traditional Chinese Wuxia film at all. I would rather watch Crouching Tiger or Hero Maybe not House of Flying Daggers, but any day of the week over this movie. No question. Those are much better films. But your kid is not going to watch those and go, I want to see more movies like that. They're going to watch this and go, I want to see more movies like that. And I think this is actually a smart move for, for Disney. They've dumbed it down, but not in a way that I thought was totally insulting or anything. And ultimately, I thought it's just a feast for the eyes. The one thing I'll say that really bugged me is the soundtrack is so fucking dull. It's so generic and it doesn't match anything that's happening in any way that feels Chinese. Why isn't it a Chinese composer? You know, I, I don't get it. I'm yeah. baffled by what they were thinking with the score because it's truly terrible. 10 out of 10, agreed. Other than that, I actually kind of enjoyed this. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give this 8 out of 10 dragons that I didn't miss at all. Okay, I missed the dragon. I'm sorry, but just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. I have a question for you, though, Jennifer, before we finish up. What do you think is the best archery film of all time? The one that I've seen recently that I've enjoyed the most is War for the Arrows, which is a Korean historical film. And the archery in that is phenomenal. Like archers all over the world talk about how great that film is. And then there's a film that I saw recently. It's called The Kazakh Khanate. It's actually available in its entirety on YouTube. And that is a film that was made in Kazakhstan that's beautifully filmed, amazing. And it's all horseback archery because they're nomadic bands that are, you know, conquering and battling the mongols and it's just beautifully beautifully done it's a two hour two and a half hour film i thought for sure you were going to say fletch oh god all right thank you all for for attending this ted talk appreciate you all good night 